Today we continue our Why Do We Do This series. Getting one more in there before, uh, before the Christmas time really starts to take over our schedule. It's a series that we started a few weeks ago about this theme of having a more informed worship experience. I mean, if we're honest, our worship services are a little bit more formal than some other churches out there. Some churches, you walk in the front door, you sing a few hymns, you have the sermon, you sing a few more hymns, everyone goes home. We have a few more things on our bulletin than that. And this series is really about examining some of those other things, if you will, on our bulletin. Um, And we we started to really uncover, beginning last week especially, is that everything really has a place. There's a reason for why we do everything the way that we do. Now, is it necessary? Do we have to do it this way? No, not necessarily. But um, is it even the best way to do it? You know, who only knows? But there's a reason why we do it our way, as everything comes together for a reason. And so with that backdrop in mind, we're going to cover two topics this morning, and we're going to begin with confession. Why do we do a time of confession during our worship service? Now, I, I try to go out of my way every Sunday to explain a little bit about what we're talking about, because it is something we do every week. But um, there are some things that I just don't have enough time to unpack every single Sunday. I might not have had time for a sermon if I did it every week. You guys would probably get bored of it real quick, too. But there's a, there's a reason why we do it. And to understand confession demands what, that we understand what it is that we are confessing. Our sins. What is sin? Why do we need to confess it? What, what, what makes it so wrong? What does it do? Well, our word for sin actually in, in English comes from an old archery term that means to miss the mark. Like if you're firing at it in, in like archery, a bow and arrow set, and you just barely miss, and you, even if you just barely miss the bullseye, it's considered sin. And uh, that's, that's, that's what it means, to miss the mark. Now, you can do that in two ways. You could be trying as hard as you can to hit that bullseye and just kind of miss just by trying your best efforts. Or you can just turn around and start firing around all over the place, start firing it at people. That Wicked though that be, both are considered sin. It's all missing the mark, missing the intended purpose. And as... We've been examining, since before we jumped onto this series, as we've been going through the gospel according to Matthew, especially on the Sermon on the Mount, as we've been looking through what the law actually is and what the law actually demands of each of us, we've learned we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, the book of Romans tells us. And so why is it bad? What what does sin do? Well, Isaiah 59 verse 2 says our sins have separated us from God. And the book of Romans also tells us that the wages of sin is death. Now, that's a consequence nobody wants. That, that's, that's a heavy consequence. And we see that in the scriptures. And I mean, in the opening chapters of Genesis with Adam and Eve in the garden before sin walking in perfect fellowship with God, peace and harmony throughout the world. 
And you guys know the story. God gave them one commandment, and they couldn't keep it. And they sinned and brought sin into the world. And instead of enjoying fellowship with God, they were fearful of him. And instead of walking in the garden with him in peace, they were exiled. That's the kind of separation that we too experience, even at a personal level, through our sin. And with this separation, in short, if we die while separated from God, that's a problem. Because the Bible tells us that there's two destinations. And if we're separated from God who is in heaven, that leaves us with an option we don't want to consider. So we have to deal with this sin. As Hebrews 9 verse 27 says, It is appointed to man to die once. After that comes the judgment. And therefore we desperately need something to reconcile this separation, this spiritual death that takes place through our sins. And I'm sure you guys know the answer just because you're listening to this in a church setting. The answer is Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. As we couldn't take the punishment to pay off our sins, we couldn't pay an eternal debt for our eternal for for these the eternal offense against God of our sins. But an eternal savior, the eternal God himself could That's why Jesus had to be both God and man. Man to stand in our place to take our punishment and God to pay for the sin itself. That's why it's important in our theology that Jesus is both God and man. We'll unpack that as we get closer to Christmas as we talk about what it means for God to be with us. That Emmanuel concept. But this is that great exchange that we've talked about over the past couple of weeks and months, how on the cross, Jesus took all of our sin upon himself, paying for it himself. And in turn, he gave gave us his righteousness so that when God looked at Jesus on the cross, he saw the sin of all of us that he was paying for in his own body. And so that now when God looks at us, who have been redeemed, who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, who have confessed our sins and asked for forgiveness. He doesn't see us for the wretched sinners that we are. He sees us for, he only sees the blood of Jesus Christ and his righteousness, not our own, but his. And all we have to do to obtain this is to believe that Jesus went to the cross for us, believe that he is the Son of God, and to repent, change our mind, in other words, about our sins, and confess them instead, simply saying oh, we're sorry for our sins, and that we wish to live in a way that honors him, reconciling us into a right relationship with God. So, and that's what we do when we confess our sins here in church. It's that moment of reconciliation where we, the offended part, the offenders, approach the offended party, God, and ask for forgiveness. Our time of confession is the gospel itself. And so if you you leave church on a Sunday morning still trusting in your own works, still trusting in the faith of your family, still trusting in the fact that you attend this church and not some other church. That separation we were talking about still remains. But those who call upon the name of the Lord from a pure heart 
are saved. And so we give that opportunity to everyone every week because it's that important. That's why we have a call to confession to show that we have a need. That's why we confess together in a prayer written right into our bulletin because we're all in this together. And so we can all confess our, our faults and our sins together, including myself. Just because I'm the one up here in a tie doesn't mean I have any less sin than any of you guys. And then we have our time of assurance of pardon as a reminder that it's not about our goodness, but Christ's. And we need that reminder sometimes. But confession isn't just a one-time thing for Christians either. It's not just about placing your faith in Christ for the first time. It's about more than that, because just because I'm no longer going to hell doesn't mean that sin has no ref- effect on my relationship with God throughout the week. I mean, here's an unsettling thought. Sin hinders our relationship with God, even as believers. You know, it's, um, and this is a concept we understand. We understand this in an earthly sense quite well. If I go out and I mistreat my wife, I'm mean to her, and I say harsh things about her, I offend her, is she going to be interested in say, hearing anything I have to say to her when I say, ah, so where do you want to go for dinner tonight, honey? I'm thinking about this new place over on 9. What do you think? Now, until we reconcile, that conversation isn't happening. She's not going to want to hear any of my jokes or any silly things like that until we reconcile. And that's exactly what confession is about. You know, we come here each Sunday seeking to worship God, to adore him, to learn more about him, and to be encouraged in how we can live our lives more fully towards him. But if we have offended God through our sins throughout this week, don't you think God would want us to address that first, to settle that business, to clear the air with him, and then we can more fully enjoy the rest of the service together in a more pure fellowship? I mean, Jesus himself taught this. You know, that if if you had sinned against your brother while you're making an offering at the temple, and you remember that your brother has an offense for, against you. Leave your offering in the temple. Go and reconcile with your brother. Make things right with them. And then make your offering in the temple. First things first. How much more so if that's between us and a brother or sister? How much more so should we also reconcile to God on a regular basis? Ought we not do the same? And this, and this concept, this idea of confession is true of us throughout the week. This doesn't just take place on Sundays. You know, there's a reason I don't call myself a priest. I'm not standing between you guys and God. There's no middle management between us and him anymore. I'm just, a, I'm just another beggar telling the other beggars where I found bread. That's how I view my role. I'm no more special or close to God than anyone in this room can be. So... The, the fact is, um, we can all go, and we all ought to go before the Lord, taking our sins to him. Because we don't want to live with that level of separation, because it, 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 looks, it looks uncomfortable in, in our lives when we have unconfessed sin. 
because it's hard to experience and enjoy the things of God. I don't know about you guys, but when, I, when, when I've had seasons of that in my life, I'm, I'm reading my Bible, and it's just, it's just not speaking to me. I could be listening to Christian music or singing along with hymns, and it just feels bland and uninspired. Or even going out and serving the Lord or preparing a teaching or whatever way that it is that I'm serving God, the joy isn't there. There's no passion like it should be because I'm disconnected from the source of my joy. So we need to deal with it. You know, my, my friend, Dr. Falzerano, who spoke here, uh, I, guess, uh, I guess a month or two ago at this point, you know, he, the wise man that he is, he has this little inscription in his Bible that maybe we should all take a page from. He wrote in there, handwritten it, and it says that this book will keep you from sin. Or sin will keep you from this book. See why I love that guy now? <laughs> and so the best thing we can do is recognize when we have unconfessed sin in our lives is to just take it immediately to God in prayer. Confess it. You don't need me to go through it or any other intermediary. We can approach God together. Or we can approach God as individuals, I should say. We should just make it that knee-jerk reaction. It's the healthiest thing we do when we recognize that we have sin in our life. Just take it to God. Why live with that in our life? And by the way, that's, it's easy to clear the air with our Savior once we become Christians. Because it, all we have to do is confess it, whether it be a group like this, a setting like this, or on our way home in our cars, on our way to work, or at our, at a, on our favorite couch at home. It doesn't matter where it is. We can ask for it and obtain it. And, and we can do that because, like I said, it's, we have this new identity in Christ. It's not a massive change in our hearts when a believer confesses our sins. Nor should it be. We've already crossed over from death to life, the Bible tells us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says we are now a new creation in Christ Jesus. We are now children of the light as he is in the light. So light is natural to us. If we have darkness in our hearts, it, it's uncomfortable. We want to deal with that darkness inside of us, the sin that we fall into. If anything, if we are comfortable with darkness in our life, that doesn't say good things about us. It might be a sign that we need to examine our hearts as to see whether or not we are in the light as he is in the light. And moving forward, the reason why we can approach God in confession in the first place is because of what this table represents. It's because of communion. Because of the Lord's Supper, a rich, incredible, symbolic celebration that the church has enjoyed for some 2,000 years now, and where we remember the life, the death, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, through the, the broken bread, symbolizing the, his broken body on the cross for us, where we partake of the, the wine or the juice in our particular circumstance, symbolizing his blood poured out for us for redemption. We take it in together as one body, showing that we all need this together. 
that I don't take second helpings because I need it more than anyone else. We all take it together. In fact, the early church used to just pass around one loaf of bread, all taking from the one loaf, symbolizing we're all saved from the one source. The early, the early church also just passed around one cup that we all drunk from. We're not going to do that. I mean, obviously not in a pandemic, goodness. <laughs> but you see the point. It, it focused on that oneness and how it's all coming from the same source. It really is a beautiful thing. And it, it, it is a proclamation of the gospel. It's what enables our confession. It's the reason why we worship as it points us to the central moment in all of biblical history, the cross. You know, Jesus is the central figure of all of the scriptures, not just the New Testament. He's all over the Old Testament if you're looking for him. All of those old symbols of seen in the Old Testament, the whether it be the tabernacle and all of its furnishings, the temple, the day of atonement and all of the other rituals, that pointed towards the coming Messiah who would bear the sins of many. And now in the New Testament, we, just ha we don't have those rituals, but we have the Lord's Supper. And now that points back to the cross. So whether we're in the parts of Scripture that look forward or the parts in the Scripture that look backwards, it all points towards the cross, the central figure of what all of this is for. It's all about Jesus. As it all symbolically, in one sense or another, points back to Jesus. And I keep saying symbolic because that's what this is. This, it's a symbolic representation of what Jesus literally did for us. You know, the, um, we don't believe, as our Catholic neighbors up the street teach, that this is literally the body and literally the blood of Jesus, that it transforms somehow when we pray into it. Uh, we, we, we don't uh, teach that literally because of, well, the context of what it says. Because we'd have trouble with other parts of the scriptures. They might argue, yes, the Lord, uh, Jesus said, this is my body. Well, by that logic, we'd also have to believe that Jesus is made out of wood. He said, I am the door. Therefore, he must be made out of wood if you follow the context. It's all about context, guys. You see where I'm going with this. Context matters. So, real quickly, as we wrap, tie, uh, tie a bow around some of our some final little areas as we move towards our conclusion, why do we do this once a month? I mean... We could do it as often as we want from the scriptures. Jesus said, do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. So we have freedom to do it every week if we want to. It's, and some churches do that. Glory to God for that. But we're with the 70% of other uh, press, um, Protestant churches that do it on a once a month basis. And I can't speak to the other 69% of churches in the world, but the reason I like this model is because it prevents this symbolic representation from becoming a, rain a vain repetition. Just something we do because it's what we do. Making it happen mindlessly. Just going through the motions. Now I'm looking around the room, I see people who've been coming to this church for many years and decades. When you guys were driving here this morning, did you guys have to think about where you were going? 
No, it's, 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 it's knee-jerk reaction. Some of you guys here who are here for the first time, you know, you have to think about where you're going. But those of you who have been here for a long time, it's mindless. You just turn off the brain as you start driving and, oh, we're here. I don't want that to happen to this table. I don't want it to become so routine that we're not thinking about the beauty of what this represents because we do it every week. And our Catholic neighbors who do it every single week, they don't do it because they love to. They do it because they're taught that they need to. Their theology teaches that by this turning into the actual bread and the, the, the actual body and the actual blood that you get some special impartation of God's grace just by taking it in just by eating it and drinking it. It becomes a work that you need to participate in to be saved. And thus they have made their entire worship service around that concept. And as Protestants, we reject that idea. We, we, we look to Jesus' completed work on the cross alone for our salvation, not what we need to do or what we need to celebrate or what we need to add to it. It's Jesus plus theology. It requires a subscription plan. But as, Christian, as Protestants, we have actually made the proclamation of God's word the centerpiece of our worship experience. And we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks, Lord willing. But, uh, but in short, we're not going to consistently take time from what we believe is the main thing to make time for something that we don't want to become an empty Vain repetition. Something we do just because that's what we do. There's no inherent value to that. So we want to keep the main thing. We're going to do this as a purposeful, meaningful, beautiful representation of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And I look forward to celebrating with you guys together in just a few minutes. Thanks be to God. Amen.